Focus on estate planning, estate administration, elder law, and real property matters. RourkeLaw.com Hello, and welcome to the Local Edition, news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in. We'll not checking in, we'll be continuing with our Hispanic Heritage Month interviews. We'll be talking to Juanita Sarmento from the Rural Migrant Ministries Youth Economic Education Group, YEG. We need to let us know about what Yeg has been up to this summer. But first, it's Friday on the local edition. And every other Friday, we check in with Swanagunk's Journal's reporter, Chris Rowley, to see what's going on in Enlumville and in Ulster County. Chris, welcome back to the show. So that's exactly is my first question. What exactly is going on on the pages or in the pages of the Swanagunk Journal? Well, a number, a number of things. First of all, um, let's just hit the, uh, the upside of things. Um, last night at the, uh, town of Washington town board meeting, Somerset partners, uh, with their land use attorney, Mike Mariello came in, uh, to present, uh, information in favor of regarding, uh, the sneaker process part two. Um, this is for the, the, uh, what can we call it? Uh, the redo of the Neverly, the, uh, the new resort that Somerset Partners are planning to put on the Neverly property. Uh, this is a major, major, uh, investment. Something in the order of $400 million is the, is the figure that's bandied about. And, um, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of aspects to it. And so they have to go through, they have to, first of all, uh, uh, just so anybody who, who's ever done any, planning type stuff you know the difference between the short form eaf and the long form eaf okay this of course is a long form eaf right so several pages of it and a lot of questions that have to be answered you know and a lot of things have to be have to be dealt with so anyway so the town board has looked at it and they were going through the the various aspects that they wanted to comment on or they or the or they they needed to uh, define the response as as seeing it as either a a, a minor or a moderate uh you know um uh effect on 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 the landscape you know if the this is all dec seeker is the state environment quality uh, review um it's a dec thing and uh, all planning in, in in new york state got has to go through this so anyway that was important because there's not that much that really struck me as being you know difficult there were a few things that are going to be a moderate impact but you know the the, the, the somerset group have, have a fairly formidable team of engineers and uh and and they have you know looked at all of these things you know there will have to be you know, for instance a little bit of dredging uh, you know, of the, the old Neverly Lake by the dam. Um, that, you know, there's, they have a speedies permit that's, that's for stormwater. They, they're going to have to look at some of the issues around that, but, but mostly it's all been examined. They've done all the homework. I'm not imagining that this is going to be 
uh, any any problem, but it's a, it's a major step forward. Uh, you know, this is this has to be done, and uh, once the uh, the town board sets, you know puts its imprimatur on it, then then they'll go forward. Um, uh, the town board took lead agency on this and uh, not and didn't leave it to the Wawasing Planning Board. That's how important this is. And what was the reasoning behind that decision? This is, like you said, something normally happens with the planning board and not the the actual town board. Oh, yeah. Most, most things go to the planning board. I mean, Cresco Labs went to the planning board, although Cresco did come in and give a presentation to the town board. The actual uh, planning considerations, seeker review, all of that went through the planning board. But this particular thing, is seen as so important and potentially complex uh, that it went through the town board. The town board took lead agency. They they wanted to have a hands-on. So, um, you know, they will, of course, consult with the planning board. The planning board will see what the town board is thinking and doing, but the decision will lie with the town board. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's important. There's another step forward. Um, I don't know when proposers will get to work, but uh, it, it won't be immediately. Uh, but but uh, uh, once they've had the secret review and, you know, that's passed, then they'll go on to um, uh, the, the next stages in the process. And I don't think it'll take terribly long before they get the, the most important thing, which is a negative declaration under the secret rules to say that basically there won't be any harmful uh, or, 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 or major impact uh, to the environment in that area. And if you know that area, if you've ever, ever visited or anybody ever played golf on that golf course or whatever, you, you will understand that it is a large parcel of property, several hundred acres, and it, it has a lot of different, uh, a lot of little different ecological areas, niches. You know, along off up towards 52, there's there's the hillside area where they plan to have residential homes um, and also a spa. And uh, you know, there are issues there with various kinds of wildlife and bats and snakes and whatever. And then, oh, and also the very important. Yeah, bald eagle pair <laughs> that took up residence, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be considered there. And then there's the lake and the area just uh, south of the lake, uh, which is has wetlands issues and, and they all have to be treated very carefully. So anyway, a lot of different places, a lot of different uh, formats uh, for environmental issues and they all have to be addressed. But going forward, uh, at this point, this reporter has a positive feeling about it. I don't think there'll be uh, any major uh, any major problems. And uh, in a year or so, um, this this major major project may well be underway. Uh, and uh, for the whole area, Sullivan County, uh, North uh, West Orange County, you know, I mean, Middletown, everywhere, right? And in terms of jobs that will be on the on offer here, you know, and and the economic uh, multiplier effect that will go out once this thing is going, uh, this is this is going to be important. It, it will be a noticeable uh, economic driver in our little region. Uh, and when it's allied with the the other one, Cresco Labs, you know, I'm imagining that things will get you know um, quite noticeably more prosperous um, in, in our whole area. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and except also these things do take time, especially now with all the environmental regulations that a project of this size has to go through to, you know, become a reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, the first, very first thing they'll do is, is they'll d- demolish all the structures that have to be demolished, and just about everything, and uh, either and remove them or bury, you know, the uh, concrete and cement. I mean, you know, and that will that will take a little while. But that when we see the uh, the big yellow machinery moving around on the site, we will know it's happening. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely, we'll definitely see those construction trucks. You know, things are definitely moving along. Now, Chris, let's look what else is happening in your neck of the woods. I saw either your publisher or someone in the paper published a photo of some hate mail that some folks have received in their mailbox. What can you tell us about this concerning issue? Not such a nice issue, uh, more of an Ulster County issue at this point than anywhere else. But uh, uh, we we headlined it. We, we There was a, um, uh, for some reason, somebody, it's not this group called White Lives Matter has been uh, handing, putting or been pushing uh, flyers into mailboxes uh, over towards New Paltz and uh, in that area, and they, they're they're overtly racist, and it's kind of tragic that we've reached this point where um, you know our ancestral divisions, uh, you know, are back in that way, uh, and there is a sort of a hunt on for whoever it is, and you know, to request them to not not to do that. But a sign of of the times, uh, probably stirred up by the uh, upcoming elections, which gets some people excited in the wrong way. You know, um, uh, it's hard to say why anybody would do that, but that was something that was quite noticeable um, uh, in and around Rosendale. Keep your keep your eyes on that. I don't know if that will spread or whether it's just a sort of a one-off. Kind of part of me suspects that it's just teenagers, you know, who've got hold of half the story and don't really understand what they're doing, um, you know, and that that could be it. Or it may be, you know, disgruntled older people who have, uh, you know, a desire to revive the Ku Klux Klan in our area. But uh, let's hope not. When I first saw the flyer online and I was like, wow, the first thing that came to my mind was, wow, I didn't know there was a group like this up here in our neck of the woods. Um, and wondering if, you know, this group actually existed and whether maybe there's just an underground group and they're just coming out into the forefront. But like, like again, like you said, it could be just a prank done by some teenagers, but unfortunately they're not really re- realizing the ramifications of something like that can have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this little group, WL, WLM, White Lives Matter, as far as I can tell from a, just a brief bit of research, uh, is uh, originated in Texas uh, a few years ago, has never really sort of become that uh, crucial or important. There are many other groups that are, you know, plow along in the same territory. Um, and so, you know, we'll have to see if this is, is really anything or whether it is just a prankster or disgruntled teenagers. Um, we'll find out, I guess. But um, so that was one kind of, you know, rather sad story. Yeah, definitely. It's a, you know, it's un- it's a tragic thing that something like this still happens in our day, but obviously because of the current climate, it's uh, also not surprising. We were talking to Chris Rowley from the Schwanka Journal. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the program, letting us know about the new developments that's happening in your neck of the woods and all the uh, other in- issues that are facing your community, especially like the development. Like you said before, that a development like that has impact not only in where you live, but where we live also because the impact of the economic impact from jobs and other items uh, that come with a large development. Oh, I, I can imagine a lot of people in Sullivan County who 
who who have experience and everything will be you know looking for those jobs. There'll be some good jobs coming. Yeah. Sure, definitely. Jobs are needed. Again, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the local edition. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Chris Rowley from the Shawnecock Journal. Okay. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the local edition. Chris will be back in two weeks, letting us know what happens in the pages of the Schwankunk Journal. Chris is also one of the reporters with me on the Reporters Roundtable that airs monthly on Radio Chatskill. Coming up, we'll be continuing our Hispanic Heritage Month on Radio Chatskill. We're talking to Juanita Sarmento. That's coming up right after this. It's Friday on the Local Edition. I'm your host, Patricio Urbayo. We'll be right back. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville. Building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com And from listener donations at WJFFradio.org This week on the Janice Adams Show, the racist legacy of immigration policy with Reese Jones, author of White Borders, the history of race and immigration in the U.S. from Chinese exclusion to the border wall. Saturday at noon. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. It's Hispanic Heritage Month on Radio Catskill. And we are honoring the cultures and contributions of the people with ancestors from Latin America and other Spanish-speaking countries all month long. This year's theme is Unidos. In conclusivity, for a stronger nation. And this week for Hispanic Heritage Month, we'll be speaking to Juanita Sacramento. Juanita Sacramento is the Casco Regional Coordinator in Sullivan County and is the Youth Economic Group Coordinator. And she is responsible for coordinating the youth and leadership development program for the high school age students. On the program now, from the Rural Migrant Ministry and Youth Economic Education Group, YEG, is Juanita Sarmento. Juanita, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Patricio. It's so nice to be here again. You're part of YEG. You run YEG, which deals with youth empowerment through mentorship, education, 
and uh, help create a new model for economic opportunity for the young people in the Catskills. W- what have you been up to this past summer with the youth? So this summer, like every summer, we get to participate in the Workforce Development Institute's Youth Summer Employment Program, which is really great because we get to continue our work, but have youth um, participate basically full-time with us and also get compensated for the work that they're doing. So um, my favorite part of the program is definitely the summer because, you know, all the hard work that they do and they're able to, like, reap the rewards from it. Are you running programs also in the fall and winter or is this just a summer type of uh, program? Um, Yes. So we, our program is all year long. We take a brief break uh, right after school ends and a brief break right before school begins so that you know, we're not going <laughs> full steam ahead all year round. Everybody deserves a break. We have different things that we do all year round, like college trips that we take the youth to. Uh, we have retreats that where we meet other youth empowerment groups from rural and migrant ministries, other programs throughout the state, um, which is really exciting because you get to see other youth that are working on similar projects through their own mediums. And they get to compare and contrast and relate with them. We also um, take them on fun excursions throughout the year. Just this Thursday, we were at the North American Cultural Laboratory. We were visiting uh, an artist that came in and, you know, learning about theater and trying to incorporate his media through theater. So the youth get exposed to that kind of art, which also helps them develop creatively for their business, Bags for Justice. How many students are involved in this summer program? So for the summer, uh, it's usually a smaller group because the people are traveling. This summer, we had, I believe, five or six youth, uh, which is a really good number because it tends to be a lot smaller than that for the summers. We really got to do a lot of work, and it was a really great time. What are you doing to reach the community? What what sort of what does your outreach look like? Are you going into the schools and letting the students know about the organization and uh, letting them know how they can participate? Yeah, so we do go into schools. Sometimes we'll do lunchroom visits. We are partnered with Salt and Sullivan One Eighty uh, through their lunchroom program that happens every Wednesday at a different school in the in the area. Um, I do tag along with them when they're going to visit the high school, but I do also go to different high schools on my own time, visit classrooms, um, and do like take over the classroom for the day, do my spiel, teach everybody about what the youth economic group is about. I try to go to as many events and open houses that the schools have available so that I'm able to really get the word out. It is such a vital program for youth in our area. It provides youth access with uh, a creative experience, empowerment, leadership opportunities, as well as just being able to get out and do something different. That's what I hear a lot from the critics about that Sullivan County does not have enough things for the youth to do. And so I'm glad to see that organizations like YEG are out there and providing options for the youth in Sullivan County. So... From what I understand, once you graduate from the YEG program, you're able to get a job within the organization. Is that true? So they get the job while they're in high school. Okay. So while they're part of the program, they are um, 
they have the opportunity to be employed through our program after school. So like they can work one or two days a week, depending on, you know, what our schedule is looking like. So they get to work throughout their high school career while they are part of the program. Juanita, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, you know, uh, running YEG, seeing the the students or the youth going through the program. And I just wonder, what is your what is your takeaway from all of it? What do you feel after you're seeing a person go to the program and graduate and now are out there doing you know their own thing and maybe using the lessons they learned during YEG in, in their in their new lives? I mean, you know, I've been doing this for four years now, coming up on my fifth year-ish. And it's just, you know, pride because you you're working with these youth all the time, every week. You're seeing them grow as people um, coming into who they are and expanding their ideas on, you know, how they see their future. Um, so it's just pride, you know. I'm very proud of the work that they've done and how far they've come along. And once they, you know, connect that, okay, this is something I can do in the future. It doesn't have to be related to their business, Dogs for Justice. It doesn't have to be related to the youth economic group. But even if they just learn, you know, how to speak up for themselves and they become empowered through that, uh, through the youth economic group and they use their voice to get them somewhere else in the future, like that to me, like it just makes me feel so proud and, um, and happy because the program is doing what it needs to be doing. Right. The program is called Youth Empowerment. So that's exactly what's happening there. You're letting the youth know that they have a voice and they are, Sort of, uh, from what I gather, is you're showing them that they have power in that voice and they could uh, do things with that. Let's talk about more. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about Bags for Justice. Can you explain more exactly what that that program is about? Yeah. So Bags for Justice is a screen printing cooperative owned by the Youth Economic Group. Um, they are fair trade, uh, U.S. made, union affiliated, youth run cooperative. Everything they that happens for the business is done by the youth. Mine is obviously like money management because I have to run the bank account. But they they choose the purchases, they screen print the products, they create the actual screens and designs, and then they go out and sell it themselves. So they're able to see their own products out in the real world. Having them create something on their own, and you know. Uh going through the whole process of creating and then also selling the product out in the real world and showing how that does have an impact. Uh, Juanita, if folks want to learn more about YEG and more about Bags for Justice, where can they go? Yep. Uh, rural and Migrant Ministry, we have a website. It's ruralmigrantministry.org. And the Youth Economic Group and Bags for Justice um, is bagsforjustice.com. You can see all of our stuff there on the Bags for Justice website. There's a video explaining the whole process and like showing a little sneak peek of what it is that we do. And looking at your Facebook page, I see you have some events coming up. One that's interesting that's happening here in, in Sullivan County is you're having a women's summit. Uh, can you tell us more about that particular event? Yes. So I'm really excited for the Rural Women's Assembly. It's happening here in Sullivan County at the Villa Roma. It happens in different areas of New York State every year. Uh, but luckily, we have it right here in our own little 
piece of uh, our heart. I am hopefully going to be raising enough money to send 10 women and young girls from Sullivan County to be able to participate in the event. So keep an eye out for a local fundraiser so that we can get our rural women able to go. We do invite any woman in Sullivan County that wants to participate in this program or any woman in New York State that wants to participate in this program, like, please join us. If you go to ruralmigrantministry.org, you'll see more information about how to sign up and uh, all of the details for the for the event. It is uh, the second weekend in December, which is super exciting. Yes, definitely. It sounds like a fantastic summit for, for young women and, and women uh, to be a part of. So we definitely have you back on the show to talk more about that. Uh, Juanita, before we go, is there anything else I have not touched on? Do you want our listeners to know about? Um, yes. So hopefully around early December, late November, YEG will finally, YEG and the Catskill region of rural migrant ministry will finally have a building of their own. So we will be inviting people to our open house. I am really excited. We're going to be doing a fundraiser, supper club style event. So please keep an eye out for that as well. I would love to have as many people be able to join us, learn about the Youth Economic Group, learn about other programs in the uh, general vicinity of where, where we will be located. And that way we can open up the community to like a broader spectrum of our programs out here. Well, that's great news. I know you guys were struggling with uh, having a space, and it's great to have that, you know, Rural Migrant Ministries and YEG will have now a home in Sullivan County, a permanent home in Sullivan County. Do you know now where the new headquarters will be? Um, yes, we're hopefully, if things go well, uh, fingers crossed, we will be in Hurleyville, which is a great wow. location because of the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center. It's an up-and-coming town. It's where I grew up. And also, um, you know, the new high school just opened up there as well. Wow. Yeah. Great. That's a great location. I was just talking to Aaron Dudley, the executive director for the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, talking about how much Hurleyville has become a cultural hub for, uh, for the other part of the county, uh, you know, where Fallsburg and everything else. So it's great that, you know, like I said, you were raised there. So it's great that you are sort of coming back home and sort of setting up shop there. So we were talking to Juanita Sacramento, director for YEG, part of the Rural Migrant Ministry, talking about Hispanic Heritage Month, talking about what's happening with YEG and everything that's going on in Sullivan County. Juanita, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Patricio. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Juanita, for that. Hispanic Heritage Month celebration continues. Next week, we'll have special guests next week. We'll have NPR's host for Alt Latino. There's two hosts, Felix Cateras and Ana Maria Seymour. will be talking to us in Radio Catskill on the local edition next week, Friday. So you don't want to miss that. We have a website for Hispanic Heritage Month. You can check us out on wjffradio.org. There's a post there that leads you to the Hispanic Heritage Month website, or you go directly to it, wjffradio.org slash Hispanic Heritage Month 22. All one word, Hispanic Heritage Month 22. And you can find the past interviews that I did this month. 
The first one for this month was Rebecca Rivera. She was the she is the editor for Oi and Sullivan, Sullivan County Spanish language newspaper, published by the Sullivan County Democrat. After that, I spoke to Dr. Jean Carlos Juan. He's a professor teaching at Orange Community College, talking about transnational migration. And then I spoke to Liza Fuentes about abortion law and how it affects the Hispanic community. Liza Fuentes is a research scientist at the Guttmacher Institute and policy organization that focuses on reproductive rights. And also this interview you just heard, the Juanita interview for YEG, will be on the website soon. So if you ever missed this past interviews for Hispanic Heritage Month, they're all there right there for you. We'll be back on Monday. We do this all over again. We're talking to Sullivan County government to find out what's going on in the county. Also, we'll be checking in with the Sullivan County Democrat, Joseph Abraham, the managing editor, letting us know what's happening in the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat. You've been listening to the local edition, news and information, keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. If you miss the show, we have a podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Apple, Stitcher, Google. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe. Like it. Tell your friends about it. We also have a website, wjffradio.org slash the local edition. You can listen to the show, see the past guests, and listen to some interviews. You've been listening to the local edition. I've been your host, Patricio Robayo. Lucy, have a good night. Radio Catsco, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Everyone have a safe weekend. Stay safe. And I will talk to you next week, Friday.